Welcome to the Own Your Time podcast. This is the host, Kyle Marcotte, and today we have Hayden Crabtree on the show. Hayden is a real estate investor out of Atlanta, Georgia, that specializes in value-add commercial deals and is the author of the best-selling Skip the Flip, Secrets the 1% Know About Real Estate Investing. When he was in college, he realized the traditional route was not for him and bought his first investment property at 21 years old. While he was in college and taking the real estate investment course, he owned actually more property than his professor. So that caused him to realize maybe there's a disconnect between what is taught in school and what actually occurs in the real world. Hayden set out to spread his knowledge of how, real, how the real estate industry works and how anyone can make and multiply money while also eliminating their tax bill in real estate. Currently, he is an owner and partner in two businesses, Fort, Fort Knox Storage Units and RV Vault. Hayden is always looking to create value for his customers, his partners, and those who want to learn how to do the same thing he is doing. Welcome to the show, Hayden. What's up, Kyle? Glad to be here. Yeah, it's super cool to, to have you on. I actually have a very similar story where I, uh, it wasn't real estate class. It was my last, the straw that broke the camel's back of me dropping out of school. I took an entrepreneur class. I asked the professor, have you ever started a business? He said he has never started a business. So that was kind of my situation <laughs> where I was like, why are you the one I'm paying 60 grand a year to teach me if you haven't even started the business? So it's funny to, to hear that. But um, you have a great story, man. And I'd love you to just really dig into that right now if, if you could. For sure. So funny, funny you mentioned that because I applied for the entrepreneurship program at my college and they didn't even accept my application. So here we are today. Um, you know, it's been, it's been a long journey, not, not really in the grand scheme of things. I've been at the, the real estate investing for a little over four years now. Uh, back in college, I did an internship that taught you how to run your own business. And after that, I went back to college with a whole new mindset on Okay, before going into that, I knew I really didn't want to work for somebody else. But after that internship that taught me how to run my own business, I learned a ton of lessons about sales, about management. And in that process is actually an exterior house painting business. In that process, I ran into a, a, a guy who I was painting his house for, and my business was, and he just showed up whenever he wanted. He didn't really like have a schedule. He could just like, when can you meet? I would ask him, he'd be like, anytime, you know? And I didn't really understand why this guy could just meet any time. And as it turned out, he was a real estate investor and that really got my gears turning of like, okay, maybe this guy's onto something, you know? Um, and that was just as a, a young kid in college. And um, fast forward a couple months, I was back in school. I picked up a little purple book called Rich Dad, Poor Dad, completely changed the course of my life. That process led me to just typing in real estate investing on Google. I found bigger pockets. Um, you know, searched. I went to the University of Georgia in Athens, Georgia, typed in Athens, Georgia into the search bar and a forum popped up with people talking about deals they were doing in Athens, Georgia. So clicked on one guy's profile, said, uh, you know, did a little research on him, called him up and said, hey, I, I'm interested in this real estate investing thing. Um, could I take you out to lunch sometime? He said, or actually not to lunch. I asked if I could meet him for coffee. He said, it's funny because I don't drink coffee, but you can meet me at this property in 15 minutes. I said, I'm getting in my car. So fast forward, um, you know, I met him. I, I just wanted to learn and as much as I could from him. And there's this vast world of real estate investing. At that time, I really had, you know, no idea between flips, wholesales, commercial. I had no idea of anything. I just knew that I wanted to learn the game and I was willing to do whatever it took to learn the game because um, I had a couple of years before I had to get out in the real world. And I knew for sure I didn't want to be working for somebody else. So, uh, you know, I just looked at the guy in our meeting. I said, look, I'll work for you for free just to learn. And I did that for over a year. At the end of that year, I tried to add so much value to his life and his business. At the end of that year, 
he, he had no option. He said, look, the only thing I can do is make you a partner in my business. And, you know, that's kind of how I got to where I am today, a partner in two different business, own rentals and love life. You know, life is good as a, as a real estate investor for sure. That's an amazing story, man. I want to dig into working for free for a year. A lot of people would not be um, down to do that or to opt in for that. And you took a huge risk and it paid off. So can you talk about, you know, why it's important to kind of humble yourself and be able to do something like that and, and all the value that it's added to you in your life so far? Yeah, absolutely. No doubt. I mean, I think it, at some point it, it taught me, um, there's an emotion of roller coaster that you go through whenever you're working for somebody for free. At first you're excited. And then after three weeks, when you tell your friends where you've been like, Oh cool, you got a job. And it's like, actually like, I just haven't been getting paid, but I've been doing a lot of work. And it, at that point you're like, wait a second, what am I actually doing right now? Like it, it is what I'm doing smart. Should I be doing something else? Um, but it teaches you for sure in the first place, if you want to do something, you have to commit to doing it. So I knew that if I wanted that plan to work from the very beginning, I had to commit to seeing it through. Right. And that teaches you grit. I mean, that teaches you a whole bunch of things, but the reality is, is that it teaches you. And the main lesson that I took away from it was find ways to add value to other people, even if you don't know what you're doing. So I had no idea about real estate, but I was determined to add value to my mentors, uh, his business in any way, shape or form that I could. And in return, he was willing to give me his time and his knowledge for free. Right. So at the end of the day, I was working for free, but I gained millions of dollars in terms of education in, you know, uh, collapsing timeframes because what would have taken me 10 years, I learned in six months. So, um, you know, it, it's definitely a roller coaster. And if you are in the position like I was to do it, I would definitely say, do it. I, I get a lot of pushback from people. Well, I got to work to pay bills and I got to do this and I got to do that. There's a lot of hours in the day. There's a lot of hours in the week that you can spend and carve out and do whatever it takes. I mean, it's really more of a mindset than, you know, a logistical issue. Yeah, the issue is never resources, it's resourcefulness. I, I love that quote. And I think it really fits there as well. It's, you know, you, you didn't have necessarily, you know, the time or whatever, but you can make the time if it's something that you really want to do to change your life. And for you, man, it's been extremely worth it. So uh, I know that you are a storage unit investor and, and those can be considered, you know, recession proof or recession resistant. How do you kind of have a strategy that can uh, fend off this COVID-19 and what's your advice for investing in order to be recession resistant? You know, whenever I first got started, I really had no idea. I mean, to me, the idea of if I could just buy a house as a rental property in the next five years, like that was my big goal whenever I first got started to have one, one rental. And then whenever I really got into it and realized that like, you're really limited by your own potential, we started thinking bigger and bigger and bigger. Um, and that's when the concept of one hour's worth of input does not equal the same amount of output, right? And that's the mindset that I had to shift from, from, from thinking one hour of input is one hour of output. And that led me, and this is going to come back around to the recession resistant part, is you, you have to break out of your mindset to start thinking bigger. And one of the biggest lessons for me is whenever you can go from one door to 10 doors to 100 doors, not only are you going to make a lot more money and a lot less time, but you're also going to have a lot less risk because now if one, you know, if we have a house and one person doesn't pay, we have $0 of income. If we have 400 storage units. One person doesn't pay. We really don't even notice it. You know what I mean? So for us in the storage business, it has been extremely, extremely 
useful and calming to be in a business that people need. People uh, actually want to use it whenever there are bad times, which is kind of how we got started. We, we stumbled across the first opportunity, but as we looked more and more into self-storage's performance through 2008 and historically, the holy cow, we need to double down and focus on this. So, you know, I hadn't bought any storage units in 2008, but we always knew, hey, these are supposed to be recession-resistant assets. And we really hadn't found out until you know, 2020. Today it's May 22nd. And not only is our business not falling through this, but our business has actually increased significantly due to the pandemic. So for what it's worth, I mean, you know, a lot of people are worried about real estate investing because some level of risk and what if the market collapses or what if people don't pay? And I always tell people, you're in control of that. What you invest in determines your outcome. Where you invest determines your outcome and the approach you take, the strategies are also going to determine the results you get. It's all up to you. It's a great point. The rationale I've heard before for stealth storage being recession resistant is typically, and, and let me know if I'm right or wrong here, sure. that when, when a recession happens, uh, you know, people tend to downsize their living situation. And in order to downsize, they have extra stuff and that extra stuff needs to be put into storage. Is that correct? That's correct. Yep. People would rather pick up, um, you know, an extra $100 a month storage bill and keep, you know, their family heirlooms or the couch that they just paid, you know, $1,700 for and take their mortgage from $2,500 a month to go and rent at $1,300 a month. So, in the reality, they're saving, but for the storage business, it sees a pickup. So, you know, a lot of people move from big houses to apartments, whatever it may be. And in that process, storage is benefiting. That's awesome. Yeah. So I think that's a great thing for people to consider um, as far as what asset class are you investing in and how is that going to be affected by some sort of a downturn? Um, so you did write a book. I want to talk about your book. It's called Skip the Flip. Could you give us a little bit about what's in that book and, and what caused you to write it? Absolutely. So Skip the Flip is uh, it's essentially everything I've been working on over the last four years and everything that I've learned. And it's in 200 pages of easy to read format. And the reason I wrote it is because, and probably like you, Kyle, almost every single week, somebody call it, uh, I don't want to say young, because there are definitely people in their 40s and 50s who approach me and say, hey, how are you doing what you're doing? But there people always come to, to me, and I'm sure for you and other people listening, and they say, uh, hey, I want to I want to get into real estate, and I read about this and that, and you know Chip and Joanna Gaines, and I think I'm gonna flip a house. And I always go, listen, man, you need to skip the flip because that is not at all where you're gonna be building wealth in real estate. You're not gonna be getting the tax benefits, you're not getting the monthly residual income, you're not getting the debt pay down over time, you're not getting the good debt to begin with, you're not gonna be able to you know, X Y Z. So. The name is unique, skip the flip. And, and a lot of people argue me on this and they say, look, I, oh, well, I made $30,000, you know, on this house flip and that, and I go, okay, that's great. But now what are you making every month? Oh, well, nothing. Cause I don't have the house anymore. It's like, yeah, exactly. You know? So for me, and I think for you as well, and a lot of really wealthy investors, it's all about getting tax benefits, not paying any taxes. It's also about monthly residual income and really riding the, you know, long-term inflation wave so that your property appreciates as well as your income over time and your debt stays the same. So I wrote the book for, you know, a basic guide, whether you're never done a deal before in your life, whether you're thinking about flipping houses, whether you flipped a couple and want to get into rentals, you know, it's essentially a progression of my story from going from, you know, a house flipper, residential renter to commercial raising capital and how it's done step by step. Awesome, man. I mean, that's a, 
That's exactly what I struggle with on a, on a daily basis, which is mm -hmm. super interesting. Like skip the flip. That's honestly the main reason I needed to have you on the show is because that's like my philosophy as well. You have to skip the flip, man. It's not yes. about what you make. It's about what you keep. And, um, and that's a huge thing. So yeah, no tax benefits. You're, you're crossing a lot of the boxes um, when you're uh, doing flips. So it doesn't really make any sense. And you know, listen, I am not necessarily opposed to house flipping. It is what it is. It's a business, but it is not investing. And to me, the problem, whenever people come to me and say, hey, I want to get started investing, and they think that they're going to flip a house to invest, house flipping is a business. It's an active business. It is not a residual income play, and there's a lot of risks in it, okay? And you're going to get taxed like it's a job and not investing too. So, you know, I just call it what it is, is my main thing. If you want to flip houses, call it what it is. Don't call it investing because it's not. That's a great distinction. I think that that's important. I've never even thought of it like that, but it definitely is an active business. And I'm going to start using that line when people tell me that they want to learn how to invest and that they're going to do flips. So fantastic, man. Let's, let's kind of segue into why commercial and what's the difference between commercial and residential real estate? Kind of going back to the house flipping thing in, in, in the story of how you need to add scale is that residential rental, rentals are great, but there's only so much output in your time. I think residential space is a great place to get started because there's a number of loan programs that can help you with low money down. And you, there's a lot more deals out there. Simply put, there's a lot more houses on this earth than there are commercial properties. So there's a lot more opportunities to practice your, your negotiating, to practice your investing and all these different things. But for me, and what I've realized in my own personal wealth is that you're going to build wealth and income and get tax benefits at an exponential rate in commercial. And there's, you know, people say it's the same amount of work. It, commercial is just a little bit more work. But other than that, I mean, you might be doing only 5% more work for a thousand percent more output, which to me, it just makes total sense. And a lot of people get scared. You know, a lot of people can rationalize. And I talk about this in the book. A lot of people can rationalize, oh, I can go buy a house because they grew up in a house or they drive down the street and you can buy a house for $50,000, $100,000. But people see a commercial property that's one, five, ten, twenty million dollars and they just lock up and they think, I'll never be able to do that. And that's more of a mindset problem than it is a smarts problem or an ability problem. So for me, you know, and I always tell people, look, you can get started in residential, you can get started in house flips, but your eye and your goal needs to be, I'm a, I'm a commercial investor because that's where you're going to make the majority of your wealth. Um, do, do you agree that, that uh, commercial is, is just slightly harder than residential? Or do you think, Kyle, that um, commercial is much, much harder than residential? I think they're pretty similar. The only, I mean, okay, so... I think the best way to answer this question is upfront commercial is much harder to, to acquire a commercial deal is much harder, mm -hmm. but to run a commercial deal is actually much easier. So it ends up kind of balancing out where, you know, if you're owning one house, you're going to be the guy, you know, letting tenants in at 2am fixing toilets yourself because you don't have enough income to pay for a manager. Mm -hmm. So multifamily or any commercial size that reaches economies of scale ends up being, you know, the first year of ownership may be more difficult, but the next five to however long you hold the property is going to be a breeze compared to the residential grind that you're going to put yourself through. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. And whenever you're buying commercial properties from people, it, you know, in my experience, at least people are buying commercial for investment purposes. People are buying houses for personal reasons. And I've always found that when negotiating commercial deals, 
It's much more straight to business. There's no emotion involved. It's an, it's a numbers game. I need this because of this versus if you're trying to buy and acquire a lot of residential houses, people go, well, my mom gave me this house and I know it's only worth 70, but she gave it to me and I really like 95. You know what I mean? So it's this, whenever you enter the commercial, it's much more treated like a business than the residential world is from my experience. And I think that that's a lot easier to deal with numbers and you know, business decisions than it is to deal with people's emotions. And you're dealing with, you know, a vast amount of people in the residential world versus in commercial. I feel like you're, you're mainly dealing with people who know what they're talking about. And that's, to me, it's a much smoother, easier process. Yeah, I agree. And even the way that commercial is valued is, is on a number system, you know, NOI divided by cap rate instead of, you know, how cute are my countertops and flooring and uh, yeah. appliances, right? Which is a little bit ridiculous. So, um, Let's talk about the tax benefits. So you have a, a statement here, I think in your book that says the government doesn't want you to pay taxes. And I have a very similar take on this and I'd like to hear kind of your perspective. So taxes, right? Everyone thinks, what's the saying? There's two things you can't avoid. It's death and taxes. And, you know, I was raised with that, that saying, and I thought, you know, taxes is just something I'm going to have to pay. And then in the process of working for free for a year, my mentor was making, you know, a ton of money, absolutely tons of money. And I just go, man, like you got to be paying a ton of taxes. And he just like kind of snickered and he's like, no, nah, we're not paying any taxes over here. I'm like, what, what do you mean? And he introduced me to the super cool concepts. I think it was your last episode talked about the 1031s, which to me, for someone who was, you know, adding tremendous amounts of value to properties to be able to 1031 into something else, it's just mind boggling when you first hear about it. Um, and to go along with that depreciation, not only normal depreciation, but accelerated depreciation, you just learn these things and you go, why don't they teach you this in the school system? Why aren't they advertising this for everybody? But, you know, really what it comes down to is people see the tax code and they look at this thing and they think it's, it's thick because the government's trying to get us in all these different ways and the government wants us to pay taxes. Well, what people don't realize is the tax code is really just a couple pages. And then the rest of the tax code is this series of incentives where the, it's this playbook. Think of like uh, if you played football and you've got all these different plays, it's these plays that the government has drawn up and say, Hey, run this play and we'll score a touchdown or essentially run this play, do this in your business and we'll give you a reward. So whenever the government wants its citizens as investors to provide uh, housing to other citizens, it says, hey, we'll give you an incentive. If you can buy this apartment building, I'll give you a huge tax break. So just go buy apartment buildings. And essentially what the government wants to do is drive our actions towards what's best for not only us as investors, but for other citizens in the U.S. And it makes it easy because now the government doesn't have to go provide low cost housing because you know, privatized businesses want to come in and provide it because of the huge tax benefits. So the tax code is really just a playbook of what the government wants you to do. It's driving the results that the government wants to see. And as a benefit, if you make your government happy and do what it wants you to do, they'll reward you by saying, hey, thank you very much. No taxes for you. Brilliantly put, man. So I want to end this show with the question I ask almost every guest, which is what advice would you give to a 20 year old who is starting in real estate or business? Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I think I was 18 or about to be 19 whenever I started this journey. And I would just say, you know, you're not going to get it right. You're not going to read one book and figure it all out. You're not going to, you know, 
watch one YouTube video, listen to one episode of a podcast. It's, it's a journey. It truly is. And in order to get to your destination, you have to start on that journey. There's so many different people who want to be real estate investors and they've been wanting to be real estate investors for 10 years, but they just haven't done it. It's like, just get started. Like it, you know, in my opinion, it's in my book, I believe, but it's one of my sayings that you need to do whatever it takes to get your first deal done. And I don't care if you lose money on that deal. Hopefully you make a lot of money, but you need to do your first deal because that as an experience will be the most valuable thing for you in your life. So borrow money. I don't care. Do whatever it takes. Find a way to get started in your first deal. Cause after that, you'll just, you'll launch. You'll see that, Hey, my biggest obstacle here is my mindset, not my resources. It's a great point. I know a lot of people who have never done a deal and I know a lot of people who have done a lot of deals, but I don't know anyone who's only done one deal. Yeah. Um, and I exactly. don't, I don't know where I've heard that quote from, but I think, I think it's super true. No one really ever stops at one deal. So as soon as you break that first barrier, then you're pretty much off to the races. So. And you will be for the rest of your life. You know what I mean? So listen, if it's okay, I'd like for all of your people listening to this. I've talked about this book. We've talked about it and there's a ton of good stuff in here for anybody that wants it for free. I'll give it to your audience. I'd love for you to buy it on Amazon for 10 bucks, but I didn't write this book to make money. I, I wrote it to spread education. So if you go to www.haydencrabtree.com forward slash free book, everyone here can have the book for free. Awesome. And I'll put that in the description. So if you're listening to this episode and you want the book, there will be a link below the show and uh, yeah, t check it out. I'm sure it's an amazing book. It's written by a very smart individual who added a lot of value on the show. So thank you so much for coming on and, uh, and helping out the listeners. I appreciate it, man. Thank you.